thanks for joining us. You're listening to Living Fountains with Pastor Jim Stewart of Calvary Chapel, Kansas City. Today, our study is in the book of 2 Samuel. If you're in a place where you can grab your Bible and follow along with us, we invite you to do so. And if you'd like more information on Living Fountains or Calvary Chapel, Kansas City, you can visit our website at calvarychapelkc.com. Now, let's join Pastor Jim for today's study. And so, though there's instant forgiveness, and then there are results and ramifications to sin, I think the importance of being clothed in humility and allowing those things to be meted out and to work through them is is so important. Think about what David couldn't do as a ruler, as a guy who knows these mercies of God and these good things of the Lord. And he just wants to build a temple for God. He wants to build a house for God. And God just, you know, I'm giving you the short version, but, you know, Nathan says, yeah, do all this in your heart. And then he realizes, Nathan said, no, no. The Lord told Nathan, no, dude, look it. I don't want him building the house. He can gather up the supplies. His offspring can build the house. But he's a man of war, man of blood. He, he's not going to build that house for me. And he also says, gosh, David, that's really cool. But, you know, the earth's my footstool, dude. I'm not going to fit in anything you build anyway. So, you know, he kind of puts it in right perspective. But he acknowledged David's heart. The good David wanted to do because he loved the Lord, you know. And he just wanted this thing. But he had to accept, too, that that wasn't going to be his role. That wasn't going to be what he was going to do. He had to, in humility, accept that and say, okay, but what can I do? What will you let me do, God? What will you let me do? So I think sometimes we get our ideas of what we want to do for God or how we want to be used by God. But, but what about if we just let God choose that? Wouldn't that be cool, just let God choose that? Because God knows us, and God knows exactly what's going to be the best thing for us and for the benefit of everybody around and, and, and what's going to give God the most glory. And What an awesome concept. Just let him be in humility. The results and ramifications of this as it plays out. In verse 15, Then Nathan departed to his house, and the Lord struck the child that Uriah's wife bore to David, and it became ill. And then David, therefore, pleaded with, with God for the child. And David fasted and went in and lay all night on the ground. So the elders of his house arose and went to him to raise him up from the ground. But he would not, nor did he eat food with them. He's just grieving. He's just trying to work through this. He's just, he's just laid out, you know, just, just pleading for the, the, the life of, of his child. Now, he knows why this has come down. Sin's a, a horrible thing, isn't it? And this is when you see the price of sin. Something's going to die. Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sin. But sometimes sin can cause the death of a, of a relationship with somebody. It happens, doesn't it? It may not be a physical death, but it can cause the death of a friendship or a relationship sometimes. Should it? Well, we can argue that point all day long, but the reality is, is sometimes it does. It's just too grievous what can happen. So in this situation, very clearly painted out for us, David knew in his heart why this happened. David's pleading with the Lord. And the servants of David were afraid to tell him, on the seventh day, and it came to pass that the child had died. 
in verse 18, in the middle of it, and the servants of David were afraid to tell him that the child was dead, for they said, indeed, while the child was alive, he sp- we spoke with him, and he would not heed our voice. How can we tell him the child is dead? He will, he will do some harm. I mean, he, he's just going to be really upset about all this. And when David saw that his servants were whispering, David perceived that the child was dead. Therefore, David said to his servants, is the child dead? And they said, he is dead. Verse 20. So David arose from the ground, washed and anointed himself, changed his clothes, and he went into the house of the Lord and worshiped. You know, David knew what happened and why it happened. I don't know who David talked to about it. Obviously, Nathan knew what was going down. But David knew. And David just, you know, once it was done, he pleaded with the Lord once it was done. He got up, he washed, he anointed himself, and he went in and he worshiped. He just worshiped the Lord. And I just think sometimes that's the, that's the right sequence of events, you know. Get to that place where you can just worship the Lord. And then he went to his own house. And when he requested they set food before him, he ate. Then his servants said to him, what is this that you have done? You fasted and wept for the child while he is alive. But when the child is dead, you arose and ate food. And he said, while the child was alive, I fasted and wept. For I said, who can tell whether the Lord will be gracious to me that the child may live? But now he is dead. Why should I fast? Can I bring him back again? He says, I shall go to him but he shall not return to me. He's saying, and, and this is kind of an interesting thing, it's kind of an encouraging thing, is that he's saying that the, the little child has gone into the presence of the Lord. I'm going to go to be in the presence of the Lord one day. I, I, will, I will reconnect with him, but he's not going to come back. And he's just accepting that. He's accepting. I think you can see David in humility accepting the circumstance and dealing with it, but he's still worshiped the Lord. He kept his sights on God. He stayed focused. He couldn't do all he wanted to do, maybe, in various situations and circumstances, but he stayed focused. Then David uh, comforted Bathsheba, his wife, and went into her, and he lay with her, and she bore another son, and he called his name Solomon. You know, what a great thing. It means peaceful. You know, it's kind of a cool thought, you know, because, you know, David knew between him and the Lord, he made peace with things. He was okay, man, between him and God. And he named Solomon peaceful. That's what Solomon means, peaceful. Now the Lord loved him. The Lord loved Solomon. And he sent word by the hand of Nathan the prophet. So he called his name Jedidiah. So, you know, God had a name for him and, and, uh, and uh, David had a name for him. This name, Jedidiah, beloved of God because of, because of the Lord. The Lord loved this kid. Now, that's number 10, is uh, the new life, hope in God, life after sin, Solomon is born. That's kind of an exciting thing, isn't it? Kind of cool. You kind of see this full cycle of everything that's happened and that there's still hope. Because I think sometimes we get so 
we let the enemy, we let other people with the world around us get so down on us because of a failure, because of sin, because of missing the mark. And yeah, okay, it happens. Yeah, sometimes it's going to come with a steeper price tag than others. But man, we are to press on. And we're to keep worshiping the Lord. We're to keep serving the Lord. We're to keep following the Lord. We may not be able to do all that we think we want to do, however we think we should do, but we can still follow God. And God can still use us. God's still got a plan and a purpose for our lives. And there's hope. There's life after sin. There's a life after things going bad. There's a life after, you know, a disastrous marriage. There's a life after a disastrous life, you know. Who knows? There's, there's hope in God. If not, what in the world are you doing here tonight? If you don't believe it with all your heart, why come? But we do believe it, and we're here. And that's what we're here for. Every time we get together, we're celebrating that hope that we have and the hope that is available to others around us. It's not just our hope. Yes, it's very real to us. Yes, it is our personal hope. But we have a message of hope to a world around us that desperately needs to hear that. Those people you encounter in the marketplace of life need to know that, yeah, Things maybe have been amok and gone awry and I've sinned, I've missed it, but God still loves me. God's still got a purpose. God cares about me. God's restored my life. God's brought new life, peaceful and beloved of God. You know, God's brought that in to that. Now, as we wrap up chapter 12, some interesting little things. As I read through this, I thought, man, this does not make sense. Let's read through it. Verse 26. Now Joab fought against Reboah, Reboah, yeah, Reboah, uh, of the people of Ammon and took the royal city. And Joab sent messengers to David and said, I have fought against Rahab, Rabbah, and I have taken the city's water supply. Now, therefore, gather the rest of the people together and encamp against the city and take it, lest I take the city and it be called after my name. So David gathered all the people together and went to Rabbah, fought against it, and took it. Then he took the, their king's crown from his head. Its weight was a talent of gold with precious stones, and it was set on David's head. Also, he brought out the spoil of the city in a great abundance, and he brought out the people who were in it and put them to work with saws and iron picks and iron axes and made them cross over the brick works, work in the kilns and stuff. And uh, he, so he did to all the uh, cities of the people of Ammon. Then David and all the people returned to Jerusalem. Now, you read that and you think, okay, well, that was kind of, it, for me, I'm, it's just, I'm reading through this every few times. I'm thinking, what in the world? This just doesn't. Well, it's kind of interesting. There was like a nine-month, ten-month span of time that got covered in chapter 11 from verse 18 until you get to verse 25 of chapter 12. That covers like a, a, maybe a ten-month period of time, nine to ten-month period of time in there okay, that took place. Verse 26 connects us back up with verse 17 of chapter 11, where he chose not to go out to the battle. This is the battle that Joab was sent to. 
this is the battle where uh, Uriah the Hittite died. This is that battle. So we just had this, you know, this whole thing of just what happened because it was a storyline of what happened as it's being recorded. But these issues take place. Now, this is interesting because it'll tie together some other little thoughts that you might notice in this. So this is during the time period that we read that prior to the Psalms being written or part of the Psalm being written, where David said, my, my bones were dry. It was just like a, I'm just in a, a, a desert place type thing, you know, and he's talking about that. That is during this segment of time for him where it was unconfessed sin. During verses 26 through 31, he hadn't confessed his sin yet. We just carried a storyline all the way through with what happened with David and Bathsheba. That storyline carried all the way through. But now we're back to, okay, now back to this, back to, you know, verse 17 of chapter 11, back to that thought. Now, for us reading it in this sequence without seeing this, we're thinking, well, gosh, David seemed to have kind of a weird mindset, you know? That's kind of funny. You know, why is he acting like this? Because his mind was in a funny place. This took place, verse 26 through 31, right after he had sinned with Bathsheba. He went out because Joab's about to take this city, and Joab sends for him, dude, look it, you got to get down here. I don't know what you're doing up there, but you got to get down here. I'm about to take the with the victory. I want you to come and and just, you know, take the spoils, enjoy the victory. The the city's yours. I've done what I'm supposed to do. You come here and and be the king, you know, kind of a thing. So Joab says, "Well, come on down, dude. Dude, look it. it it's cool. Just come on down, be the king." So this is what he tells him. So David goes down. But David's mind is is you can see how, what sin did to him. Look, read in verse 30. He took the king's crown from his head. Its weight was a talent of gold with precious stones, and it was set on David's head. David never previously did this, ever. All of the treasuries, all of the things would be brought in and taken to the house of the Lord. David never took any of that upon himself. But in this mindset, he sinned, there's a breach between his, his relationship with the Lord and he's acting kind of funny. He's doing things different than he would have done them regularly. He's now taken, and so you can see, this is kind of when he's in a, a backslidden mindset. These are great little things to kind of tuck away and realize. This is what he did. In that backslidden mindset, he's taking this stuff into himself. It's something that he normally never, David just did not do that. He always gave it and dedicated it and given it over to the Lord. But outwardly, outwardly, he's kind of taking the victory and, and, and really kind of taking the glory, isn't he? And something very different from the way he handled himself before. This is a good thing to note. If you're starting to be drawn to that, it's a good thing to change. And say, man, you know what? I'm not thinking right here. I'm taking stuff into myself that I shouldn't be taking into myself. Because no flesh is going to glory in God's presence. The Bible's clear about that. None. You can't take the glory. I can't take the glory. The glory belongs to the Lord. This next thing that we notice here, too, in verse 31, is he treats the people with brutality. He never did that either. 
before. He treated them with brutality. You know, worked them till they died. You know, just, 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 just treated them horribly. So because of what's happening inward, he's treating these other people poorly because of what's going on on the inside because he knows there's a breach between him and God. He's got unconfessed sin. So we look around at our world today. We see what's going on around us. People treat people with brutality. They try and take glory to themselves. And we can can say, well, this is just horrible. It's horrible. They've got unconfessed sin, don't they? The world around us does, right? They're, They're not walking with God. They're not in fellowship with God. This is how people act and live that aren't in fellowship with God. And so if you and I find ourselves kind of falling prey to these, these kind of tendencies, it's a good, good way to notice, oh, wow, maybe I better make sure that, you know, my heart's right between me and the Lord, that I'm not slipping into some bad pattern or something. And it's a good little test. I think in a last thought on this for tonight, why don't we turn to uh, Hebrews chapter 4, Hebrews chapter 4. We'll pick it up in verse 14. So, this is, we took it kind of from the beginning, right? And we kind of saw the progression of what happened. We saw how David fell with Bathsheba. We we saw all of that. And then we saw, you know, the confession, the restoration, the forgiveness. We see the ramifications. We see what's happening. But then we see, ultimately, after the ramifications, after that, that, kind of a dark season for a little bit, all of a sudden, God brings. Now, there's still going to be issues, you know, in, in David's family because of this. It, there's going to be still ramifications. There's still things that are going to play out. But one of the things I think we see the new life that takes place and that there's hope in the Lord, and that's exciting. That's a, that's a positive, good thing. But this other thing that happens that I think is, is significant for all of us, not only the hope that we have, not only the, the help that we have, but, you know, wouldn't it have been better? Isn't it better? Now that we see all this, can't we look at this? Because this is all given for our admonition. This is all given that we might read and see these. The whole Old Testament is like that for us, that we might learn from it, that we might see that. That's, it's to our benefit to, to take heed and say, you know, um, certainly uh, experience is the best teacher, but again, remember, it doesn't have to be yours. We can learn from somebody else. We can learn from another situation, right, right? So we watch this play out, and we can say, hey, wouldn't it have been a lot better had he stayed engaged, stayed connected, stayed with it, okay? Stay in the battle. It, wouldn't that be better? We can sure say that, sure. But the other thing I can think if we can say is the sooner you confess, the better it's going to be. I think that's a good lesson to note. But why don't we? Well, pride creeps in, certainly. Deception, we're deceived oftentimes. But I think, hopefully, if you go to verse 14 of chapter 4 of Hebrews, and we read this in the light of the heart of the Lord, in the light of our circumstances, whatever they might be, whatever our circumstances, seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weakness, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. He was tested, just as we are tested, yet without sin. 
Jesus knows what you face. He is acquainted with what you go through, with what I go through. He is a faithful high priest. He's not distant from us. He's acquainted with us. He knows us, yet without sin. He's a faithful high priest. It's not someone who can't sympathize in our weakness, but in all points was tempted yet without sin or tested. Let us therefore, because of that, not come boldly with arrogance, not boldly with arrogance, because I think about this from time to time. It says, come boldly to the throne of grace. Is that coming in with, God, you owe me, and you, you owe me audience, you know? That, it's not that kind of boldly. Let me tell you what kind of boldly it is. My kids have always had direct access into my office anytime. Always. Why? You're saying, gosh, that doesn't seem like it's that way for the rest of us, Pastor Jim. Well, you're not all my kids, so, you know. But my kids have always had access. They can come see me. They can barge right in. They can, why? Because they're my kids. You got to remember, come boldly. You have direct access to a father who loves you in heaven. That's what it's talking about. It's just saying, yeah, you can barge right in. You can interrupt any time because God has the capacity way past what we can. He can listen to everybody all at one time. That's the access that you and I have. That's with what kind of boldness we are to come in with. It's dad, you know. Sure, we can go in and talk with him. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace. That's not Arrogance, that's in humility, but direct access that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Isn't it better? That's the heart of God. Isn't it better to immediately access that and confess and move forward and get right and stay right with God? Isn't it better to stay like that than to, oh, well, we'll just sweep that under there. No one really saw that. No one knows about until, you know, somebody's going to trip over that eventually. The mound's going to get bigger and bigger under there, you know? And then somebody's going to trip over it, and it's going to be obvious. Isn't that what happened with David? It got exposed, didn't it? So isn't it better just to be open and transparent before the Lord and, and walk in humility and just enjoy the forgiveness and, and be someone who's someone who just confesses and agrees with God? What a great life. And think of what we avoid Oh, what needless pain we bear, you know, the things that we could have avoided if we had only taken things to the Lord in prayer. You know, coming to the Lord, being open. Hi, this is Pastor Jim. Thanks for listening again today. And 
We're just so thankful for those of you who tune in and, and uh, are getting something out of these messages from God's Word. And sometimes God really begins to tug on our hearts, and He kind of calls us out for a response. And sometimes we want to go and work at something and, and kind of earn our way into things. But, you know, with God, it's just not that way. His Word says, for by grace, that's unmerited love and favor that's been shown to you. That's what that word grace means. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. God wants you to walk in those good works that he's prepared for your life. He wants you to be a living testament of his goodness and his grace. And he doesn't want you to have to work at or earn salvation, but salvation is a free gift. It's by faith that you can have this everlasting life. Simple prayer of faith. Jesus, I want to ask that you would come into my heart, that you would forgive me of all my sin. I want this free gift of everlasting life. I want to be forgiven. I'm tired of carrying this weight of sin and shame. And I want to ask, Lord, that you would come into my heart and be my personal Lord and Savior. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for that grace that you've shown me. I receive you now into my heart and ask, Lord, that as I walk this life, that you would walk with me and that I would walk in your ways and in the good works, those things that you prepared for me to walk in, that it might glorify you. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed and received the Lord into your heart today, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us or another Bible teaching church in your area so you may be encouraged in your new journey. If you'd like more information about Living Fountains or Calvary Chapel, Kansas City, simply visit our website at calvarychapelkc.com. If you're in the Kansas City area and you'd like to join us for worship, we meet in Overland Park on Sunday mornings. The service times and directions can be found at calvarychapelkc.com. It's been great spending time with you today in God's Word, and we look forward to you joining us next time on Living Fountains.